everybody will have their coffee and be seated, and it'll be incredible. Dear Father, thank you for this time now, and Lord, thank you that you love us. Lord, you love us despite the fact that I know my own heart, and sometimes I feel like I'm lovable, and yet you still love. And Lord, when we, when we feel broken and unlovable, you love. And, and we just praise you, Lord, that your love is constant and your care is constant and your plan is constant. And your plan is to conform us to the very image of Christ. Oh, God, what an incredible hope we have that you are not done working in our lives. And, and Lord, your work is sure and the end is sure. And in the end, we will be together gathered as the body of Christ with Christ as the head in perfect fellowship with each other and with Christ and with you. So Lord, thank you. Thank you for our incredible retirement plan that you have secured, you have established. Help us to remember that. And Lord, I pray that as, as we look at these ideas here this morning, this will bless us in Sunday school. And I pray that as we gather for church, you would bless the gathering of your people. We pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, we are looking at the essential nature of man. And again, this is chapter 23 in Grudem's Systematic Theology. And there are a lot of chapters, and this is a long study. And some of them, I mean, very different aspects. So we're looking at so many different things. And some things may feel more relevant than others, but it's all in God's word, and it's important that we think about it rightly. And, um, and so this, what, you know, we've looked at creation, we've looked at male and female, we've, we've looked at a variety of things, but now we're looking at the essential nature of man. And everyone agrees that we have a material part. We have bodies. There's a physical part of us. And, but there's also a spiritual part of us and, or a non-material part of us. And so we have the, the physical part, the material part, and the non-material part. And, you know, there are some people, some atheists, who don't believe that there's a non-material part. But most people do, even non-Christians, know that there's something more to us than just our physical bodies. And so there's a lot of agreement there. But there is some disagreement as to what that non-material part is composed of. So is it composed of just a spirit or a soul? Are those interchangeable? Or is it, are, there, are there two parts to the non-material part? Or is there just one? So are we, are we well, I, the terms are trichotomy, which means there's a non-material part and a material part. And the non-material part is composed of two things, soul and spirit. That's a trichotomy view. There's also a, a view called dichotomy, which is just there's two, non-material, material. And then there's the, the monism, which is just one. And so what I'm going to do here this morning is we're going to define the terms, and then I'm going to make an argument for the di dichotomy position, and then we're going to finish with what, does, it, does it really matter? Why, why does it matter? And in that point, we'll have some discussion. And so I want to just start, before I define the terms, you know, of course, I did what any responsible person coming up to do this, a talk like this would do. I went to gotquestions.org. And, and I looked at what they had to say. And gotquestions.org, which is sometimes good, sometimes indifferent, but gotquestions.org says this, trichotomy versus dichotomy of man, which is correct. It would seem that this that it is unwise to be dogmatic. Both theories are biblically plausible. Neither interpretation is heretical. This is perhaps an issue we are unable to grasp fully with our finite human minds. What we can be certain of is that the human nature is comprised of a body, a soul, and a spirit. Whether the soul and spirit are one, or are somehow distinct is not an issue God chose to make abundantly clear in his word. Whether you believe in, in a dichotomy or 
trichotomy, offer your body as a living sacrifice, Romans 12.1. Thank God for saving your soul, 1 Peter 1.9. And worship God in spirit and in truth. So I look at that and I think, well, well dang, why am I going to spend an hour here this morning talking about something that doesn't really matter and apparently isn't clear in Scripture? So is it? And, and is this important? Is this something that we just shouldn't squabble about? Does it matter? And, and so that's, that's what we're going to look at. And I think it does matter for a couple of reasons, but I do think we've got to be careful about making this a mountain to die on or a hill to die on or a wall to climb over. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think this is important, and this is part of our study. We're just, we're just going through the chapters. And so, so this is good. So let's define trichotomy. We've already talked about this a little bit. It's a man is made of three parts, body, soul, and spirit, the material, the immaterial, and the immaterial is body or soul and spirit. And so the spirit is the spiritual part of you that most directly prays and worships God. This is a trichotomy view. The soul includes your intellect, your emotions, and your will. So according to this view, we have a spirit that is most engaged in the worship of God and a soul that's engaged in our thoughts, our, our will, our emotions. Okay, you've got that. So that's the trichotomy view. Dichotomy is the spirit is not another part of the immaterial of the immaterial part of man, but another word for soul. So those are basically interchangeable, spirit and soul. We are simply made up of two parts, body and soul or spirit. And then monism, which is a secular view, the body is all there is. Soul and spirit are just other expressions for the person himself. So if you're using those, that's just that's just who you are. Um, before we go on, I think it's really important as we look at this to know that the weight of Scripture is not necessarily trying to parse this out. The weight of Scripture is that we are a, a unified being. So Scripture speaks of these terms often together, and it's more, it's more talking about we are, we are all of these things, but the emphasis is not that we are two parts or three parts. The emphasis is we are simply mankind human beings, okay? And, and we'll talk about that just a little bit at the end. So we need to establish the Bible's emphasis on the unity between the body and the soul, the whole person, with regard to every action we take in life. And that's, that's important. And, and so we don't, we don't want to separate the two, but here today we're going we're gonna to look at it that way. So dichotomy. Why do I think, why does Wayne Grudem think and others think that this is the correct view? So number one, Scripture uses soul and spirit interchangeably. So often, you, when you're looking at Scripture, you'll see soul inserted within a place where a trichotomist might think, well, no, that's the function of the spirit, and then vice versa. You'll see the spirit inserted in verses where you might think that that's a, a function of the soul according to their definition. And so let me just give a few verses. John 12, 27. Jesus said, now my soul is troubled. So that's emotions. And, and that would fit with the trichotomy view. But then in John 13, 21, after saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit. And so that would be mind, soul, will. But we have both described as emotions. Does that make sense? Okay, and going on, Luke 1. Mary says, my soul, my soul magnifies the Lord. She's engaged in worship. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. So using soul and spirit just to, to, to say the same thing, I worship God because of what he's done. Hebrews 12, 23. And to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. Well, is it... Are, is it the spirits or souls? Both. 1 Peter 3. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, 
are they, are there, are they souls after they die with the Lord or, or spirits? Both. It's, both are described. Revelation 6, 9, the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. Revelation 20, the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus Christ. So, again, Scripture, the soul can be used to describe a, a person that is, their, their material part has, is deceased and they're in heaven. Well, is it a spirit or a soul? It's, it's both. It's the same. Yeah. Yeah, and I think a trichotomist would view heart as connected to spirit because, you know, the heart worshiping and the heart. But we know that our heart is engaged in decision-making and thoughts and emotions as well. And so it's, it's really, I think a dichotomist would say, we're, we're trying to divide things that shouldn't be divided. And um, is that, yeah. So number one, we just, we just looked at very briefly and, and we'll move on. Number one is Scripture uses soul and spirit interchangeably. Number two, Scripture says that either the soul or the spirit departs at death. So Genesis 35, 18. This is talking about Rachel and Isaac. Rachel was giving birth and she was dying. And it says, her, as her soul was departing, for she was dying, she called his name Ben-Oni, but his father called him Benjamin. Okay, 1 Kings 17. Isaiah prayed that the dead child's soul would come into him again. Isaiah 53, the servant of the Lord poured out his soul unto death. Luke 12, 20, God tells the rich fool, this night your soul is required of you. Psalm 31, Luke 23, in your hand I commit my spirit. Ecclesiastes 12, the spirit returns to God who gave it. John 19, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. And then Acts 7, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. So as we look through scripture, it seems, it, it seems like we can't differentiate between the two. It's, it, it's just different ways of saying the same thing, soul or spirit. Number three, and, and the biblical authors are fine with saying either the spirit departs or the soul departs. Again, an argument against trichotomy and for the dichotomy view. And again, this is all in, in Wayne Grudem. And again, we hope that you guys all have that systematic theology because it, it's a great book to refer to. So number three, man is said to be either body and soul or body and spirit. And I'll just give three verses. Uh, Matthew 10, 28, Jesus tells us not to fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. He doesn't have to say, those who can kill the body, but not the soul and the spirit. It's, he could say soul or spirit, and it gets the point across. The soul here is used to describe the entire non-physical part of the human. You with me? Um, 1 Corinthians 5.5, 5, for the destruction of the flesh, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. James 2.26, the body apart from the spirit is dead. So, again, the trichotomy, the spirit is the part that most directly prays and worships, whereas the soul is the intellect, emotions, and will, and they are separate and distinct. But when we, when we look at Scripture, it doesn't seem like there is a clear distinction between them so far. Um, number four, the soul or the spirit can sin. Now, this is kind of a devastating blow to the trichotomy view. Because for a trichotomist, when you sin, that's more of what you're doing in the flesh. That's more of what, it's a soulish thing that you do, but, but certainly not a spirit. A non-believer might have a, a body and a soul, but they're, but they're given a spirit when they become Christians, and the spirit is made alive. And, and then that's the faculty through which you worship God. But if that's the case, then we would expect sin to come more from the soul aspect of man and not from the spirit. But the, that's not how the Bible treats that. 1 Peter 1.22 says, Having purified your souls 
by, the, by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Okay? 1 Corinthians 7.34 says how to be holy in body and spirit. 2 Corinthians 7.1, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Um, 2 Corinthians 7.1. So he doesn't say body and soul, body and spirit, but in some cases, when speaking about sin, it's referred to as sin of the soul. Um, Deuteronomy 2.30, the Lord hardened the spirit of Sihon, king of Heshbon. Wait a minute, he has a spirit? He's not a believer. He has a spirit. And it's not to worship God. He's not worshiping God. And the Lord is hardening his spirit. Psalm 78, Israel, speaking of Israel, whose spirit was not faithful to God. I mean, you have a spirit, that faculty for worship, and yet the spirit is not faithful to God. Absolutely. Proverbs 16, 18, a haughty spirit goes before a fall. And so, oh, Ecclesiastes 7, 8, sinful people can be proud in spirit. Isaiah 29, 24, who go astray in spirit. Daniel 5, Nebuchadnezzar's spirit was hardened so that he dealt proudly. Proverbs 16, 2, all the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. And then, Proverbs 16, 32, the Bible approves of one who rules his spirit. And so I, I don't think we can separate soul and spirit, even from a worship standpoint. And if we go on in, in point number five, everything the soul is said to do, the spirit is also said to do, and vice versa. So there's, there's no clear biblical support to the idea that our spirit is the part of us that directly relates to God and not our soul. And um, in the soul, there's, there's no clear biblical reference that suggests that the soul is that which is connected to our thinking, our emotions, and our will, and our spirit is not. We, we see both. And, and here, our, our spirits also experience emotions. Mark, Mark 2.8, Jesus perceiving in his spirit. So he's, he's perceiving something, but he's not perceiving it in his soul. He's perceiving it in his spirit. That's the faculty of mind and, and emotion and thought. Um, Romans 8.17, the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. 1 Corinthians 2.11, who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that man which is in him? The point is, it's really difficult to find any definitive distinction between the terms soul and spirit. Now, it could be like gotquestions.org says, it doesn't matter, but, but I think it does. I, I, again, I don't think this is a, a main thing, but I think it can be really important depending on what you do with that, and so we'll, we'll get there soon. Do not forget the unity of the whole person. Again, the, the Bible speaks not of, hey, we've got to figure out whether this is soul or spirit, or we've got to figure out whether this is body. The Bible just speaks about the person for the most part. And so we, can, we, we need to keep that together, and um, it's really important. So now, worship. Trichotomists claim that our spirit is the element within us that, again, I've said this, and that most directly relates to God in prayer and in worship. But Psalm 25 says, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. To, for you, for God alone, my soul waits in silence. Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Psalm 119, my soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. Psalm 119, 167, my soul keeps your testimonies. I love them exceedingly. Luke 1, this is Mary, my soul magnifies the Lord. So is it soul or spirit? Yes, it's, it's both. And so we sin as whole persons, soul and spirit, body, it's all wrapped up together. 
You know, sometimes there are attitudes, but even our attitudes impact our bodies. You know, in, in Proverbs it says a, a joyful heart. What, what does it say? It, it says a cheerful heart is good medicine. Have you found in times when you're really cheerful? Well, that's a non-material part of who you are, but it affects your body. It can affect how you function, how good you feel. It can affect, um, it can even make you sick. Undue stress affects your body. So we're one person. So that, that said, when, when we do something, it's the whole person. Now, this is the important part. When we do something, we do it as a whole person, body, non-material, material, so on and so forth. So now, trichotomy. Why, if, if that's the case, and if there are those scriptures, why would someone come to the position that there are three parts? And, and there's really just a few verses that, that people take and say, there it is. And, and one of them is 1 Thessalonians 5.23. And the verse is this, May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it seems in this verse there is a, a we're described as three parts. And so the answer that Grudem would give is your, this is just inconclusive. And, and your whole body, your whole spirit and soul and body if you, if you take that in light of all of Scripture, it, it seems that Paul is just piling up synonyms to, to help us feel the weight of what is being said. And, and if, but if, we, if, if he's describing three parts here, then what about the verse that says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength? and so on and so forth. You, you, could, you could find verses that would describe us as having five parts. And, and so we don't have to go there. We don't have to interpret 1 Thessalonians 5.23. If that's all there was, and if there were no other verses surrounding it, then we might be safe to say, yes, this is, this is who we are. But in light of all of Scripture, we, we look at this verse and we just say, wow, it's pretty clear. God wants to sanctify us wholly completely. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You see where they're going. I mean, the word of God is so powerful that it can divide soul and spirit. Okay, well then soul and spirit are, they can be divided. And therefore you get this, the three parts. However, is that saying there are two parts of the non-material man? Or is it just showing us that God's word is so powerful, it can pierce and divide what we would think cannot be divided? Does that, does that make sense? And, and so just God's word pierces and discerns everything, thoughts and intentions. Can you separate thoughts and intentions? Are those two separate things, or are they so connected? Bone and marrow, um, soul and spirit. It's, this is not telling us something about the parts of man. It's telling us something about the power of God's word. Um, so we don't, we don't have to go there with this verse, especially in light of all of Scripture. And there's another one. I'm not going to go into that one because I think it's inconclusive. But how about 1 Corinthians 14, 14? For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. How might a trichotomist view that verse? If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Jim. Yeah, I mean, if, you're, if your soul is your, just your mind, your intellect, it's clearly not involved in that act of worship. Yeah. 
And I mean, again, if that's the only verse we had, but when we, we look at all of Scripture, there is a way to understand that differently. It doesn't necessarily suggest that there's a difference between soul and spirit. In fact, it doesn't even mention the word soul. It's talking about your mind. Are those the same thing? I, I, think, I think what he's saying is that there is a non-physical element to our existence that can at times function apart from our conscience conscious awareness of how it is functioning. But we don't, we don't have to suggest from that, that that we have this difference that we must parse out. So all that said, now we get on to why does it matter? Does it matter? And if it doesn't matter, why in the world are we spending this time in Sunday school discussing this? There are some reasons this could really matter. And, and here's one. Well, well, just any comments at this point before we kind of get into just a couple of things about why it matters. Yeah, Jim. the way we interpret scripture and yeah any any other thoughts before we just kind of address just a couple things and this will be a time of discussion so number one does this really matter well it doesn't have to matter I, I, I remember 14 years ago when I first got here sitting down with someone who still comes to church here and he was just dogmatic about that trichotomy of you and and it was because it, this came out of, I, I think Watchman Nee is the one who kind of popularized it and, and out of that church movement. And, and this was very important to him because it was important for them to distinguish how can we worship God and, not, and, and, and hold a high view of our worship. Well, let's separate it from soul, and that enables us to have this sacred space of worship. So I understand the, the impulse there, but... but something can be lost in doing that. And I think one of the things is our view of Scripture and how we formulate doctrine. How could that be, how can that be lost? Not a very good question, but work with me. interpret scripture is really important and there are a lot of errors and this is separate I mean we're let's separate we're not talking about dichotomy trichotomy right now let's just talk about the interpretation of scripture there are a lot of really serious errors that come from taking a verse and saying here it is it's God's word God's word never lies but being blind to what scripture says in other parts because the how do we interpret one verse we don't, it, no verse stands alone. We interpret it based on what all of Scripture says. And you know, sometimes there's a, a verse that might seem to be saying one thing, but then when you take everything else into context, you say, well, well can it mean what I thought it meant? No, it can't. 
Is it possible for it to mean something else? And then you search and you think about it and you study and you think, hey, actually, the Bible doesn't contradict itself. This really can have a different interpretation. And, and I'm forced to go in that direction, in the fork of the road, in interpretation. I'm going to go that way because of what Scripture calls me to do. It's really important. And, and this is just important for us, again, not, not in this particular subject per se, but to look at that and say, man, that's a really important principle. And that comes up again and again and again. For example, Calvinism versus Arminianism. You can find verses that are, are really clear. We must decide. And you can put blinders on and ignore the rest of Scripture and come up with your definition of what it means to become a Christian. But if you do that, you will deny much of Scripture and what it says. It's God who really saves us. We're that dead in our sin. But we, we must, we're responsible too. And so we don't want to get rid of the, the nuance but, um, but we've just got to be careful taking three verses and saying, there it is, this is the direction I'm going. So just one application and one reason this matters is that we want to interpret Scripture carefully. And, and it's far too easy to not do that. And there's a lot of error that can come when we don't do that. Um, so that's, that's one thing. Can you, can you think of something else that, might possibly be in danger if we run with a trichotomous view. And, and I'll just say a subset of that first one is that the reason we're even looking at this is because, you know, I, we are to, to study all of Scripture. And it's really easy to say, well, this is more practical. I wouldn't have picked this subject for this morning. But... It's in the Bible, and, and people have thoughts about this, so we need to, we need to think about it. And Yeah, Brett. Yes, and, and that was the, the point that I skipped, 1 Corinthians 2, 14 through 3, 4. And, and basically what they get from that passage, and, and I, don't, I don't think they do this fairly, but they get that there are three kinds of people, those who are of the flesh, those who are, that's non-Christians of the flesh. Person number two, those who are natural or soulish, but those guys are Christians, but their natural desires of their souls, they're kind of following their soul. And, um, but then there's also those who are spiritual. Those are the, the, the super good Christians. And, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to build a straw man, but we reject that. Is it, are, there, are there Christians that are just kind of the, the ones that are just going to barely get in and um, that that really haven't been transformed, that just, like Brett said, that, that have accepted Jesus as their Savior, but not their Lord. I, I think we would say, if you want to be a Christian, you have to surrender. It's a matter of all. You, you, don't, you don't just become a Christian who is skating by and doing your own thing. You're a worldly Christian. So, so yeah, we reject that three-part, yeah, JJ. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. So even just the physical act of working glorifies God. Amen. Yeah, Chris. Because that's not loving. Yeah. We we had someone at the church who who was a trichotomist, and she finally left the church. And part of why she left the church this was like fourteen years ago, or or twelve years ago, eleven or thirteen years ago. <laughs> But let me figure it out. <laughs> um, so she left the church because her daughter, her adult daughter, had said the sinner's prayer when she was a, a, a little girl. But, she, but in, the, in the, the following 15 years from there, she was living with her boyfriend, didn't go to church, didn't acknowledge Christ at all. But she was determined to hang on to the fact in her mind that her daughter was saved. Do you see the danger there? And, and it was because she had this, this spirit, soul, and uh, convoluted, but, but for sure. And um, yeah, Jim. And, and I don't, I don't want to demonize that because most people within that camp, just like there, there are so many Arminians who just have a love for God and, and aren't really missing the important things. And um, they, they really, um, there, there's a, so much common ground there. And I know with trichotomists often, there's this sense of there's something so sacred, like I said earlier about worship, that I, I, I don't want to mess with that. And I, I admire that and I honor that. Um, one other problem, this goes back to number one, view of scripture. We've got to be careful of taking something that's so, that is kind of obscure, like got, gotquestions.org suggests, and not turn it into this really important doctrine, because we're kings at that. We are very good about taking one little thing and constructing a huge building around it. And, and no, don't, don't do that. And that's where we get back to the unity of the person. And so, Brett. So along those lines, Louis Burkhoff, in his systematic theology, he says this, the tripartite conception of man originated in Greek philosophy. Okay, and then how is that, how did that happen? Well, here's Greek philosophy. The material world, including our bodies, is essentially evil. 
and something to be escaped from. The danger is to say that the realm of the spirit is the only thing that's really important with a resultant depreciation of the value of our physical bodies as created by God and very good and therefore something to be presented but to God in service to him. And so this div dividing mankind into parts can be very dangerous and it can be anti-moral, immoral. It can be anti, it can be against morality. And, and here's how. If, if we are leaning on our spiritual side for the worship of God, then, then we might think, man, I had a great quiet time this week. My quiet times have been good. Never mind that I sh yelled at my kids, kicked the dog, and went to work, and, and, and then, you know, Cheat, gossiped at work, and then cheat on my taxes every year. But that's physical. That, that doesn't matter. What matters is that I'm on Sunday morning, I'm praying. And I remember I was converted in a church that, that believed this, and this wasn't the reason, but it was a charismatic church. And I remember one time kind of looking, and, I, and you know, this, this guy had his hands up, and he was praying. He also, I went to high school with him. And then I saw him on a Friday night, and he was drunk and drinking. And then I saw him back the next week, and he's praising God. You see, it's, it's well, yeah, but that's my spirit. I'm worshiping God in my spirit. And yeah, the body does some of these things, but that's not as important. That's, that's Greek philosophy. And, um, and that's a danger. We might not care so much about morality. Yeah, Christy. No, no. And that's where... Yeah. What, what, no, no. And we, what we don't want to do is become so nitpicky that we're just like, which verse am I getting slightly wrong? And, you know, we, you don't have to panic here. Um, we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, strength. We follow him. And, and guess what? In 10 years, I mean, can you look back 10 years and, and see some views that you had that weren't fine-tuned? And, and yet you were a Christian. You love the Lord, and he's committed to working in your life. And, and he is working. Okay, now, in this area, how can the tripart, tripartite view or the trichotomous view, both are acceptable, um, how can it be anti-intellectual? Or can it? Can it be? Yeah. So, so if the most important thing about us spiritually is our worship of God and what takes place in the spirit, and your mind doesn't even always know what's going on. It doesn't need to. And so are, how motivated are you to study with your minds, with our minds? You know, the Bible says, study to show yourself approved unto God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. You know that just like for kids growing up, and, and people who start a new job, and even continuing in your job, there is a study aspect. You study so that you can improve. And in Christianity, why do, why do Christians, why have they over the years built schools constantly for higher learning? Because Christianity is a word-based faith. And as such, we are to study. 
but man, we can slip into it. We can, you can be a dichotomist and say, well, I've got this one marked out, but do you press into the study of God's word? Some of that is hard. It's not all just fun and games and, and, and worship and joy. There is a labor it takes. It takes getting out of bed in the morning. It takes opening your Bible. It takes, you're not going to do that if, if you are on the extreme end of the trichotomous and saying, hey, it's just all about the spirit because I can get up and just say, thank you, Jesus. Yes, I can. But, but where's the foundation for that? It's right here. And there's one way to get it. Blood, sweat, and tears on the one hand. Right? We're not earning favor with God by studying our Bibles. But when we do that, we're building a foundation that enables us to worship more holistically. Does that, does that make sense? Um, Matt, are you raising your hand? And now you're changed, right? Yeah. Forever. <laughs> It's not like, well, man, I can check the dichotomous view so I'm safe. Nope. Um. Second Peter says, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him 
who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his very great and precious promises, that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. And then make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love, and, and so on and so forth. Um, we, as we embrace the promises of God, as we meditate on them with our thinking faculties, time to study, God is that knowledge, God is leading us into being partakers of his divine nature. And, and so we just we need to be people who are studying God's word, delighting in it, who care about our physical actions, they matter, but also who value the idea of just worshiping God. And it's, it's all connected. And I, I want to say the unity of man is the emphasis of Scripture rather than individual parts having different functions. So Genesis 2-7, Then the Lord God formed the man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living creature. Then 1 Corinthians 15 says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall all be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable. This mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. The only reason I say that is we, we were created, we walked through life, when we die, our soul, spirit, our soul is separated from the body, but we're, our hope is not that we'll be in heaven sometime with the Lord. Like when someone dies, the, the Bible speaks of, Paul says, my desire is to depart and be with Christ for that is far better. He's talking about he's dead, but his soul is with Christ and that's better. It is better. Second Corinthians 5.8, we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. It's better. Revelation 6, 9, the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God, there they are, they're with God. It's better, right? No, because they're crying. Well, yes, it is better, but it's not complete. They're crying out to God, how long, how long? So they're waiting for that, that re reunification of the body and the soul with Jesus. And, and so maybe just in, in closing, we need to interpret scripture rightly. We need to think about things. We need to be careful not to build too much off a few verses. And, um, and we need to just think ultimately about how beautiful it will be when we are truly unified in the new heavens and the new earth with Jesus when he returns. And thank you for coming. And let's pray and um, Dwayne would you open us up and, and we're just going to pray for the service pray that that God would really bless our service etc and, and we'll pray for a few minutes so after Wayne prays other people and then I'll close this